Sounds good. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris, and I have your favorite cat back in the building. What's up, cat? Hello. How is everybody? Yeah, you can't answer. What's up, Chris? <laughs> Everybody's happy. To, we, they can actually see you this time. Last time, they just got a recording. So now they can put a face to mm-hmm. the name, in case they didn't know. So yeah. we were talking before the show about finding enlightenment. I don't even know where you're going to go with this, but I'm ready for the ride. So tell us about your journey and how you arrived at this place that you're at now. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the process of having an awakening for sure, um, which is like, whoa, big. Uh, so <laughs> let's back it up a little bit first. Um, so who I am. Okay. Um, I'm a person who avoids their feelings a lot. Uh, I've also been a person who likes spreadsheets and numbers. Even though I'm creative, mm-hmm. um, I am very much like, let's make a list. Um, I majored in economics and statistics because I was like, you could get to the right answer, you know, (laughs) one answer, you know, and so I've always been the furthest from being like spiritual. I was like, oh, I'm this skeptical person. Don't tell me about horoscopes and tell me about crystals. Get away from me. I'm all about facts. That's all California. So why, why haven't you moved yet? This whole state is horoscopes and crystals. Right? And that I already, I'm from here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's partly like the rebellion of it is just being around it, you know? Right. Um, so that's the status quo me. But the other part of it is that I was starting to feel just all, like my anxiety levels were just like, sit here so i started seeing a therapist because i'm like dude i don't know how deep this rabbit hole of anxiety goes because i'm like i'm fine now i'm not gonna harm myself today in 2020 but at this rate what what is cat gonna do in 2025 to herself Mm. you know i was in a dark place and just like looking forward so i i'm very fortunate to have a therapist started going to see her like twice a week um, good. and, uh, and we started peeling the onion, peeling the onion back. And she, you know, one day I came in, just this ball of anxiety and talking about why I do what I do. Cause I'm a comedian. I also have a, a full-time nine to five. Um, and, and I stack a bunch of shit into my schedule. I mean, I'm like the quintessential overachiever, overscheduler type a, and, and we're like, okay, well, why do you do all these things? And we, we talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. And it's like, oh, because I had kind of racist family members, I'm half Latina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm also half white. And some of those white family members were like, not that accepting of my mother and of myself and my sister. And they treated us differently from the rest of the family. Even though I'm like, look at me. <laughs> I'm like, I, look, see- I see Hispanic in you though. I'm, I'm, I moved from Miami. I know what it is. You I do. Can, I can. I know what's going down. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's what's up, Mujere? Like, what's up? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but to them, it's like, like they're so bad. That one time, one of my aunts said to my dad, "Oh, you taught your kids Spanish. No one worth speaking to speaks Spanish." Oh. Yeah. Um. So you can imagine, and they're just you know frosty. Like sometimes you don't need to say or do explicitly racist things or whatever it can just be the lack of warmth Mm. uh the lack of love the lack of reaching out and contact and then you see that they have that contact in that relationship and warmth with everyone else and there's always that question of why not us and so for me there was there's always been this drive of proving myself of if i can just achieve this much or that much. And the bar always goes up and up and up. There's never enough to feel like they'll finally accept me. They'll finally think I'm a person worthy of knowing. And, um, and I had this moment where I'm like, shit, I have to not care because they're never going to change. Nope. I could win an Oscar and they're going to be like, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're a little more through. It's like, hey, half of me is happy. Like, it's like, they're just gonna be like, oh, well, that's neat. How cute. Hmm. Like that, that's all. That's all I'm ever gonna get from them. And so that fell away. And then 
you know, continued working on it, continued talking to my therapist, working, working, working. And the next layer of the onion was, well, Kat, you just avoid your feelings. How much of what you do is you have a negative feeling. I'm going to go work on this other thing and ignore it. So mm. then the hallmark she gave me was this, she's like, Kat, you have to make friends with your feelings, make friends with your sadness. That's a bar. Make friends with your feelings. Wow. That's therapist talk 101 too. 100%. And I'm like, how do I do that? And I'm type, I'm super type A. So my first thought is, okay, I'm going to take a day off of work and I'm going to feel all of my feelings that day. I get it done. Go back to therapy. Be In like, the box. <laughs> all my feelings are right here. You want me to throw it away? No, hold on to it. Okay. Let's start get one. Exactly. Like, put it in a spreadsheet. I want to calculate it. I want to quantify it. I want to make a formula. Um, so, yeah. And I, I started to do that just the last two weeks. Doing that, spending time in my feelings. Like, today I felt sad. I went into my room by myself and I just cried it out until I stopped crying. And, um, like, last week I did that as well. It's on Wednesdays. I get sad on Wednesdays. What's that? Hump day? <laughs> Is it because you ate a lot on Taco Tuesday and you started feeling regret on Wednesday and you're like, I had so many tacos? That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> half of you was like, what was that about tacos? Other half was like, we're fine. We had kale yesterday. <laughs> right? Um, well, I think I have a lot of meetings on Wednesdays. I have to meet with my team at work and it's just back to back. And so you can't like really feel your feelings during the day. Oh no, you're moving. Yeah, you gotta be like on and constantly. Hi, how are you? This is great. Okay, you know. So by the end of the day, like it bottles up, and I just have feeling. Cause you don't get that little release throughout the day, so it's mm -hmm. like a valve that's like about to explode. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Like, but I had this amazing moment just like a week or so ago, where you know I'm feeling my feelings. You're just really a lot of frustration. You know, there's a guy that I like, and oh, he doesn't like me and why do I still like him? I shouldn't like him. End it. Um, yep. you know, and I wanted to escape my feelings. Instead, I, I stayed with them. I felt them. I did some yoga, some gentle yoga, which is oh. like, that's not going to take your mind off your feelings. Like right. yoga is pretty not intense. <laughs> what is, what does gentle yoga consist of for people who don't do it? Vinyasa yoga, you know, okay. like some, some down dogs, some chaturangas, some warrior two, warrior one, like just basics, basics, like not, no headstands. No. Okay. Okay. You're not, you're not being a super yoga girl. I got no, you. No, no weird. Uh, no weird. Put my foot on my head. Things. No. That's cool. You say it's weird, but people who do it are, that's a flex. It is. It yeah. is. I'll get there. I'm not there yet. One day. Okay. <laughs> Baby steps, um, as you were. Uh, so, so I, I'm doing all of a sudden. I just start bawling during yoga, and I realize that like every like everything just came into perspective from allowing myself to just have my heart and my mind open rather than running away. Mm -hmm. And what came to me was like, this guy. It's not about the guy. It's about the fear of coronavirus. It's about the fear of what happens if we're in quarantine the rest of 2020 like that was weighing on me and what was weighing on me was like if i let go of this guy and the possibility of him but we're in quarantine um. and then there's nothing and there's no one to date and then what as this year is gone is that it oh that hit me right and i was like yeah <laughs> You basically, it's like, you don't want to be alone for 2020. You're like, I'd rather have, I'd rather hold on to something that is probably not good than have nothing for possibly the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so I just took the time to then mourn that. And had I not like turned to my feelings and allowed them to be, it's like, it's like a tangled web of wires. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you find the wire, you're trying to find the one charger, yep. all your chargers and you have to you have to spend that time untangling it or else you don't know which wire you're pulling, you know, you're just going to, yeah. so it's I, all the same. <laughs> they just like, they're one, mm -hmm. one cluster of failure. Basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you don't feel your feelings, that's all they're going to be is a cluster and a knot. And you're not really going to know what, which feeling is which and what and why. Uh, and unless you allow yourself to have that space, you're never going to get that clarity. Um, so I did. And that's the clarity that I got. And then I continued to like think about it. And then I watched some TED Talks on mindfulness and like kept thinking and contemplating and learning about things like self-compassion and all that. And mm -hmm. I just, it was like I tapped in to like a higher, like my faith even became stronger from this experience of, of like being in my own feelings. It's like it came out on the other side and touched a higher power and that higher power just went boop. <laughs> Here's some knowledge. I hope the, hope the higher <laughs> power is not as cute as a boop on the nose. Gotcha. <laughs> you got ET by a higher power. It's like it feels like a, he just went boom. He's like your power unlocked and just like gave you the. You felt your feelings. That's what I wanted you to do. Now you get the knowledge and the knowledge that it gave me. And I swear this sounds so. This is not me. Like if this. If you knew me, you knew I would never say things like this, but it felt like a, a higher spirit gave me, like from outside of myself, put into my head, this just wisdom that this time is for, doesn't matter if you can't date someone else, it's not about that. This is a gift yeah. of looking within without FOMO to distract you, without all those other things, um, I mean, FOMO is big without all the, what are my friends doing? Oh, let me go to a concert. Let me go date. Like even dating, that's a distraction. It's time to peel our own onions right. ourselves and learn self-compassion and how to be comfortable with our own feelings and use this time to learn to meditate and be mindful or dive into Zen Buddhism. And it's scary because I think a lot of times we attach ourselves. I feel like I'm just going on and on, but I feel like we You're attach fine. ourselves. This is, this is how enlightenment is. This is what enlightenment looks like. So I'm letting you go because I have a lot to comment on, but I want you to feel this moment. So me hopping in with a little quip is not necessary. So you go. Well, thank you. Um, and I'll, I'll wrap it up so you can give your commentary. But um, you know, it, it's been kind of some difficult to wrestle with too, because I feel like, as I reach this, I'm scared of letting go of the status quo because the status quo is what's gotten me to my achievement. So if I let go of my toxic thought patterns and I become content little Buddha girl, does that mean I stop achieving things? Does that mean mm -hmm. now I'm just happy as it is and a flat line? Um, so that's what I'm kind of wrestling now with now but then what happens? It's like Wednesday is the day of tears, but also enlightenment. <laughs> um, I got another boop. Steve motherfucking Jobs. He was a Zen Buddha mat. Like he was a mat. He was so into Zen. He was really passionate about that and seeking enlightenment and all that. And he's a perfect example of someone who that was their path as well. And yet he still achieved crazy levels of success and so. <laughs> innovation and um, changed the world. So I think there really is nothing to fear of going down the path of seeking enlightenment and wisdom. Um, it isn't in, it's not in counterbalance. It, what's the word? It's not, not in counterbalance. Yeah, they are incongruent or incompatible with each other. Yeah, yeah, I think when you tap into the right motivation, it'll take you even further than the toxic ones because the toxic ones stop our minds like, right. so far. But if you look beyond, then you tap into the greater subconsciousness and the ideas you get are going to be that much greater and that much more in tune with everybody because you're taking the time to be in tune with that, which ties us all together. Something like that. Yeah. This fuck is talking. This isn't this, me, Chris. This is what? you. <laughs> but this is this is this is not who you were. 
You keep saying this is not me, but I think you're saying that in the wrong tense. This is not who you were. This is not who I was. And But then you have to ask yourself, the person you were, was that person happy? We live in an area where there's a lot of high achieving people and they rate themselves based on their achievements. We talked on the last pod about your dating life and the, how many times did I say, can't let it go. You're better than that. Can't let it go. You're better than that. You're a high achiever. Why are you dealing with this bum guy? You're like, yeah, but for me, I just feel like, and we had to keep talking in circles, but that's the old way of thinking. And you were probably afraid. We didn't get into this at that time, but it was probably a fear of what if I can't find anybody better than that? Or maybe I don't deserve better than that. And like, there's always a fear of a resource, right? Sometimes it's time, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's people. And I think that can keep you hampered if you don't, if you let that fear really drive you. You can be logical and like plan it out. Like if you meet somebody who's worth $40 billion, you may not meet anybody else worth more than that. It's like, it's like 80 of those people in the world. Like, all right, you might be the richest person I ever meet. Like there's some parameters to that. But like if you meet a guy in a coffee shop and y'all vibe and then things go sideways, we have more coffee shops. There are more people. You're a desirable person intellectually and also physically. So like the idea that... I know this guy's not perfect, but if I just work it hard enough, it's like, you're doing too much. You're sacrificing yourself for his betterment because you think he on some level is better than where you need to be right now. And that's false, like categorically, right? So Mm -hmm. this is not me. This is you. This is you tapping into a part of yourself that's always been dormant. And so on some level, you haven't been able to live as full because that major part of you this is something I, I referenced Brene Brown in our pre-show meeting because we're professionals. <laughs> and um, she said something about like being vulnerable where when you're not vulnerable, so if you're a hard person, I keep everybody at bay, whatever. That's a good way to keep people away from you, but it's a really hard way for people to get close to you. And you can't live a full life because when you cut people away from you, you also cut joy out. You can't, you can't cut that big chunk of yourself out and still be joyful and still be a, a well-functioning person. It sounds yeah. like you're on the road now to functioning like a regular person, which means that there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be some days where you get emotional watching, you know, Up, which is a very emotional movie, by the way. But and there'll be some days where you feel like you're a zenned out lady. And there's some days where you want to regress back to the mean and you want to be super boss lady cat. But the truth is, all of those are part of you how that gumbo comes out a year six months from now we don't know you may just tap into that yoga zen type life and maybe that just allows you to have better boundaries between your work and your home life which is really what it manifests as people who are high achievers who are also like phil jackson right basketball 11 championships but he's known as a zen master so i that book Uh, yes so i can coach kobe and coach jordan but i can also like be level even at the highest level, 11 championships, but also not the coach that's like throwing clipboards on the court and getting ejected. I'm like, there's a balance there. Now it takes practice. It takes probably some guidance. You might need a mentor at some point, but there is a level where you're a healthy person and a high achieving person. And I think our society has made it seem like you can only choose one or the other. Either you're mm-hmm. a hippie hugging trees and eating kale and drinking lemon, dru- lemon juice, or you're this person that's like, you know, Olivia Pope scandal walking in, like it's handled and doing all that. Like there is a balance in the middle. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Phil Jackson. That's another one. I, I should really, I just bought Steve Jobs out of a regular biography today, but I already have 11 rings and I should finish that because I forgot that Phil Jackson was another Zen guy. And he's such a cool, he's an amazing example, more so than Steve Jobs, actually, because yep. Steve Jobs is known to have been an asshole. Yep. <laughs> and Steve Jobs like, go build that new phone. He just sat there like, do, 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 do. <laughs> had an idea. It came from the higher power. Go do it. <laughs> I want four cameras of that new phone. Get it? <laughs> and some dude is like, this guy's ridiculous. Right? Um, yeah, no, Phil is wonderful. Like, I, I mean obviously don't know him personally. No, no, I got you. An a-hole, but like to manage a team like that, I don't think you can be an a-hole. You have to know how to, how to be in manage a group of people. Um, so he's, yeah, he's a great example. I got to read about him. Um, mm-hmm. 
Now, oh gosh, what was I going to say? I forgot. Oh yeah, I remember now. Um, my friend, I was talking to a friend of mine and I'm like, what motivates you? I'm trying to have, like, you know, learn more. And he goes, fear. One time Mike Tyson says, you got to make friends with your fear and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't think Mike Tyson is the best person to get your wisdom from, dude. Got me, got me afraid to fear, you know. That fear just makes you want to fight somebody, you know. Says something, something, something similar to that. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to make friends with your fear. You're going to take advice from the guy who bit a guy's ears off? That's not very zen. There's only a piece of his ear, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> the most, and that ear got reattached. Evander has both his ears now, contrary to what the media will let you believe. He's got both of his ears. It's fine. He's doing just fine. That moment, but he's fine now. That's, that's, some, that's, that's something that people talk about, though, is the fear thing. And I think the question of what motivates you is such a powerful one, because if you're motivated by outside people, let's say pressure from your family, you, see, you mentioned earlier that, oh, wow, I have to achieve at this level so part of my family accepts me, but then the bar kept getting higher. I think... The truth is you kept setting the bar higher because you kept that maybe you weren't getting the approval you wanted at this level. So maybe if I go higher, they'll like me. You kept moving the bar up. I don't think they gave a damn whether you went to college or didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. And the idea that I'm just going to, I'm going to show them, I'm going to show them. That's cool. Like in sports movies, like you you can't do it, Rudy. I'm going to make the football team. Fine. That's cool in movies and real life though. If other people's, doubts and fears are getting you then on some level it's hollow even when you achieve the victory like you said you went to college you have a dope degree good living and yet it was it was for for what yeah they're still cool to me they still do not care right they, they sent me like a card when i got my master's degree like maybe like a check with like here's 200 dollars on a card i'm like i would rather you come visit me and say hello and and have a relationship with me than send me this money Money, who cares? I'll make that money myself. Yeah, 200 is not much. Like, that's one trip to the 7 Eleven, going to back, you know what I'm saying? Like, 20 minutes. <laughs> 200. Huh? I'm sorry. Yeah, you can also make it legal ways. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I mean, cat, I got to get these jokes off. My regular job. <laughs> what? Cat, this is still a podcast. I got to get these jokes off. Like, as much as we, want to help people, they also want to laugh. And they understand that there's 200 to be made out of 7-Eleven if you know where to go. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. This is, a, this is an indisputable fact. We all know where it is. We got so, one laugh in. <laughs> That's all also, we get. Like your, your Mike Tyson impression was pretty solid. I think you should just do the rest of the podcast as Mike Tyson. I can't, I can't commit to it. <laughs> and I'm also terrified. Because remember Jamie Foxx had a Mike Tyson impression that he met Mike Tyson and Mike didn't like the impression that he was terrified of him. Don't want any pressure of, let's say this gets viral in two or three years. And Mike Tyson's like, hey, is that you? I'm like, I don't know who, I don't know who Chris Kane is. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that guy is. That guy looks just like me, though. <laughs> good looking guy but i don't know who that is just throw the beard back and then you'll be like i don't know that weirdo. the beard does change it up people forget who i am like yo are you the i don't know i don't know but I, I like what you're going through in this journey it's on some level what this podcast is about and so on some level i'm super happy for this platform that you have an opportunity to kind of put this out because people can hear your journey and they can be a type A person who kind of comes into some level of like feeling. And it's, it's overwhelming at first because it's been turned off for so long. That's the thing. Like that part of you has been like, and maybe you've suppressed it. Like maybe you felt it coming at certain points, like maybe in a board plan or something. And you feel like there's an emotional thing coming up. But then your logic is like, I can't look weak in front of all these people. And then it just gets pushed. You know, it's a little bit of that, but it, it's more like I will—I would have my feelings, absolutely. But it's like they would all come, and they would come all at once and very strong, and I—and I wouldn't know how to make heads or tails of it because it was all everything coming like a tidal wave at once. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then I'll just lash out at somebody, or um, you know, say you know, self-sabotage a relationship or something because I take it all out on that person. And rather than having dealt with the other smaller things as they came along. And at that right. point, it's so complicated that 
they're like, this doesn't make any sense, cat. You're crazy. And they run away. Um, instead, if I deal with the little things as they come along, address things directly when they happen uh, and feel my feelings, then they're not going to build up and I'm not going to do something crazy. It's, un- it's interesting. What you're saying is what 2020 media and movies are trying to, I'm going to say force, but it may be a, a better word for it. They're trying to put that onto the modern day man, right? Because our most of our lives from our grandparents to our fathers to now, like it used to be wake up early, go to work, lunch pail, home, whiskey, TV, sleep, repeat. It wasn't a time to be like, to what to know whether you feel fulfilled in your job or not to be like, Oh, I love you, son. Like I, I talked to my dad often. I lived with him for many years. Like we're good. But the number of times he would say, I love you is, I don't know. Like I can maybe count them, which is probably not good. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, probably like 12 or 13, but it's not like a bad thing. It's, it's, his dad was a hard, my dad, my granddad was a preacher and he was very biblical, but he wasn't warm. So he would make sure, hey, I'll provide, I'll provide for you. If you have any questions, I'll answer for him. Sunday, we're going to be in church most of the day. Don't get in trouble with the law. Like he was very structured, but he wasn't, hey, son, come sit and talk with me. And like he wasn't that guy. And so that's a lot of people in the society now. And it gets passed down through generations. And then you get 25-year-old guys who can't accept rejection from a woman, who can't be cool with their guy friends and let them know, hey, man, I'm having a rough breakup with this girl. It's now forget that sons go out and drink. That chick wasn't worth it. Yeah, you're right. And now we're drunk and now you're in a bar fight, but you still never got over the fact that you're still hurt from the breakup. Mm-hmm. And then you take that into the next relationship and then you're like, oh man, that, my ex was crazy. She may not have been crazy. You, just, you guys may have been incompatible. Now you're in this new relationship and you're like, yeah, my crazy ex. And then the first single, first sign of like, eh, and this new one, now she's crazy. Now you're just like, there's eight crazy girls who are trying to date me. And really is maybe two were crazy, maybe six were regular people. And then you were wilding out in the other situations, but you have no knowledge of self. And there's no teacher to show you how to go about getting in touch with those emotions in a way that doesn't make you feel less manly. And yeah, that's and the I whole thing. Like men, men wanting to, and similar to my case, feeling the need to achieve a lot you know, whether it's to make up for the fact that they're short or have a small penis, you know, you never know what drives them. But um, that was a joke because it's podcast. Um, That's a joke. (laughs) We got two jokes that we're making good time. (laughs) Um, But like guys are, are, they get very driven and they end up with the emotional depth of a shoebox. It's really sad. And I see this in, you know, some of the guys I, I date and I'm like, dude, when are you going to have some time for self-reflection? Like when are you going to pause a moment and not be a workaholic and like just allow space? Uh, and then they don't. And it's really sad. Um, like I really feel for them. Of course, then you got guys who are on the other end of the spectrum and they're pussies. What? <laughs> <laughs> Three jokes. We're moving, baby. Hey, <laughs> had to get it somehow. <laughs> but you also, but there's a, there's truth in that joke though. Because this is a spectrum. How long the spectrum is, I guess, is up to your opinion. But there seems people who are emotional intelligence is the spectrum, right? So people who act like crying makes you equivalent to a woman. That's someone who's virtually closed off emotionally. And a person who, like, they cry at the grocery store when they see a puppy as a dude may be on the other side of it, where it's like, oh my God, a schnauzer. Like, dude, all right, come on, it's Tuesday. I had a guy, and you know who I'm talking about, a guy who got upset at me because I stained his duvet cover. Um, <laughs> duvet cover is very nice. I have one, and I don't want you to mess it up. But not enough to cry. Like, that's, do better. I don't know if he cried, but he definitely basically broke up with me over it. Um, <laughs> that's a bit extreme. Like, and I, I was- made that myself. I was like, you know what? If that's what you're going to break up with me over, I'm breaking up with you also. So it's like, you, you can't fire me because I quit. <laughs> it's like, I'm not coming to your party. You weren't invited. <laughs> it's like, no one wins. <laughs> you still didn't come to the party. Yeah, I actually thought I broke up with him until my friend was like, wait, can you spell out that dialogue again? Oh, he said. You definitely got dumped. <laughs> I, I didn't. She's like, yeah. no, yeah. You, you got, got dumped. dumped. 
I got dumped by the guy with the man bun. Yep, that happened to the worst of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think it's just an interesting um, place to be. And most of my life, I was like most of the guys you probably are dated or talked about. And I didn't even realize that I was, that's the thing, when you're in this emotional infancy on some level, you don't even know you're in that state until you're looking back on it. So when you're going through it, you're like, I got it. I'm, I got it all figured out. The girls are crazy. there. My, my boys are just emotional. I'm solid. I'm a good dude or whatever. And then when you look back and you realize, oh man, I was wilding out for like 15 years and didn't even know. And then you start like, like you said, pulling about the onions and start unpacking stuff. It took me 20, probably like 20 years to like forgive my mom about something. But it wasn't like, I didn't realize I even had resentment. That's the thing. So it wasn't like a, I see my mom and I don't talk to her. I see my mom, we talked like a few days ago. I see her, I hug her, kiss her. Mom, you want me to cook something for you? Like I'm, I'm a good kid. She's a good mom. But I apparently had childhood resentment I didn't know I had. And it came up in a conversation with a girl. I don't know how we got to that point. But I said something. I was like, she reminds me of my mom. And then I was like, oh, I see where my mom was coming from. And I was resentful for some childhood stuff. Not seeing her side because I'm a kid. I don't see the adult side of the situation. Now I'm older. I'm like, I see why she was the way she was. I see why she maybe was a little bit closed off because she's caught up in the web of all this. And as a seven-year-old, I'm like, mom, why are you tripping? <laughs> she's like, you don't know what, you don't know the demons I'm going through. I'm trying to keep you safe. You're asking me about a toy. I'm trying to keep the lights on. I'm like, and then it was like, I got to like, let her get, like, let it go. And mm-hmm. it was eye-opening that that was just there on the periphery, just chilling for a long time. Didn't even know it was there. Kind of sad. Mm-hmm. I know it is because we end up like distancing ourselves from certain family members, or, you know, parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, because of these wounds, these little daggers mm. way, way back. We even forget what they were. Right. And then we find ourselves more alone. Oof. My air conditioner. Um, well, it's not too loud. Oh. It's like, so you got a bullfrog out back? He's like... <laughs> Uh, but then we find ourselves way more alone um, later on, and it's because we pushed everyone away, and that sucks. So we got to deal with that shit and let it go. Man, it's hard, and it's also hard when you have someone who is when it's mutual and they don't want to let it go. That's something mm. I want to explore. Like, how do you? At that point, you just have to like live and let live. I think even if you're willing to let things go. If someone else isn't willing to respect you back or forgive you, you have to just allow it to be. I don't think you, it's like your initial point sounded like a mutual pride thing. And if both parties are prideful and neither wants to be the one to say, I'm sorry first, then yeah, I mean, it was, you, can, you can be biblical about it. Pride comes before the fall. You can say that whole thing. But if pride is what's stopping you from talking to somebody, sure. But if you're asking for respect and you're respecting somebody else and they're not respecting you, I don't think you should ever have to beg for respect. I think that's, you You can earn it by doing certain works. You can lose it the same way. But if you're, I'm doing right by you and you still won't give me like even like reciprocity, then what are we doing? Like that's, I don't need to beg for respect or cat love or affection from somebody else. We don't need to beg for that. Not if you value yourself at the proper level and proper is a general term, but you can apply it to your own life. If you feel like I'm a high achieving, respectable, attractive, well-adjusted person, and I'm giving you part of myself, you have my attention and I'm getting fourth, fifth level. Oh, Hey cat, I'll call you later. And then like six days later, you get a phone call. That's not acceptable given how you feel about yourself and what you're bringing to the table. Now, if you're unemployed, living on a couch, then maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe six days later is where you should be because you're not, really, you're not really bringing much to the table, but that's not you. And so there's no need to convince a guy. There's no need to wait around uh, to have to like try to remold somebody. That's yeah. past that. Yeah, definitely. 
it's just hard in this quarantine because what if I never <laughs> meet anybody? <laughs> yeah, date, Chris. <laughs> you, can date on, you can date on Zoom. Yeah, I went on a Zoom date. How was it? Well, you know what? Uh, he was one of those white guys with a Y in his name. You know who that's I'm never, talking about? That's never like good. A, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's never good. <laughs> and um, it was that's great. Never. It was a great date. <laughs> It was a great date until uh, oh boy. a couple of days later, I find out he's like moved towns because he had a, a problem with booze and blow where he oh, lived okay. before and he wanted to get away from it, but he's not in any official programs. And I had to really like think about this because I'm like, look, I don't want to be that judgmental person. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't want to put myself in a situation that is way over my head uh and handling things and he's he was like trying to down like oh but it was just like a little coke problem just like a really small coke problem it wasn't even a problem i'm not an addict like it wasn't that i'm like wait but isn't that exactly what addicts say they always say i'm not an addict like by definition you fucking had to leave town you had to move from city a to city b and you know city b has the letter B in it, which is the first letter of blow. So you already know you can't trust them. Yeah. As my friend said, wait, he moved to Los Angeles to get away from cocaine. Um, what, what was he before? Columbia? Moved <laughs> 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 from Bogota right? to fucking LA. It's like, oh, I had to go get away from the, the snow, man. It was all over the place, you know? <sighs> you want to get some coffee? <laughs> uh, man. It was upsetting because he was like, he seemed like a really great catch. I mean, honestly, on my checklist, he checked all the boxes. Um, so I was really excited. And when he said that, I was like, oh, nah. He checked two more boxes at the bottom. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, hey, do you have a box for blow? Well, you need to put it on your list because uh, that's definitely coming with the package. You don't get the rest of those checks without the new one, all right? Yeah. Well, when was the last time you did it? Because he's like, I'm sober. And I'm thinking, well, I knew other people were sober. They've been sober for like 10. My ex was sober. He was in recovery. He was like 15 years sober or something like uh-huh that like that's good he's got his shit together um another really good friend of mine sober for seven years so i totally believe in the program and recovery is like possible if you do the work and i'm like so when was the last time and he's like uh october i'm like ah, no. Soon. he's like that's october i met yesterday <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i lose track of days with the blow sometimes you know <laughs> October. <clears throat> Sorry, Thursday. I said Thursday <laughs> wrong. Like Wednesday. Remember when we had tacos on Tuesday? You know what goes good with tacos? Blow. It just go, it just go like, it's like PB and J. It's a side. You know what? Instead of powdered sugar on that brownie, you put powdered powder. <laughs> a little beignet with a little bit of, you know, on top. Spiked beignet. Um, hey, that's, that's a win. Somebody, you eat unlimited beignets. <laughs> You're like, I'm never full. Um, We're gonna trigger somebody. I am sorry. Anyone in recovery who's watching this, we just triggered the fuck out of you. Listen, we got to get these jokes off, okay? This is this is not going to be the most. This is an unofficial therapy podcast. We know where we are. There is a therapy element to this. However, there are two comedians on the pod at the moment, so we cannot. It would be irresponsible to give you forty-five minutes to an hour of just helpful content. Like, what do you think this is? Right. I'm not Dr. Phil. Seriously. You're not Sally. That's an old reference. Remember Sally? (laughs) Ricky Lake and all those people. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking you could have said Ellen. You could have said Oprah. I'm not I'm not gonna mention Ellen and Oprah and the black Oprah and the black community are not on the same team right now. So Oprah's gotta figure out what she's doing. I don't know about this. What's it's, wrong with Oprah? It's, it's, it's black news. I don't even know if I should put it on the pod. Like, we we know about it in our community. Um, we got to figure out where her and Gail are. We feel like they uh, they may not be on our team all the time. Okay. And so we're just going to – she's put a lot of good work in over 25 years, you know. So we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop, see if she gets back on the good side or if it's – like a Kanye West situation where she just kind of keeps evolving into a situation we just have to excuse like, oh, that's just Oprah. Don't worry about her. 
Sometimes I get opinions from my black friends and I just like accept them as they are without a lot of explanation. And then I find myself in another situation. Like this is what's going to happen six months down the line. Someone's going to mention Oprah. I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Oprah. And they're going to say, why? I said, I don't know, but my black friend said to feel this way. You tell, tell them to go to black Twitter and they'll have all, all the, go to the, go to the shade room and all the answers you want to write there. <laughs> no, it, it's actually a, a thing that happens. If you, I don't know if you've seen the show Black uh, Black F or Black as Fuck, however they want to say no, it. I haven't watched it. Okay. Well, the writer of it is the writer who made Blackish and Mixish and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of the show's through line is trying to be successful in Black, but still be true to Black culture. Right. So, like, he's a super wealthy guy. He's, he wrote Girls Trip, and but he's a really, really high level dude. But like, so his friend group, people around him are not him because he's a high level writing executive guy. So he's trying to like, got a gold chain on and business beings and stuff. And like, hey, that's a nice chain. Where'd you get that from? He's like, I bought it. Like I can, I'm still black. I'm just like around you guys. There's a lot of references to the fact that he's trying to maintain that, but his kids grow up rich. So now they're like snobbish kids. They don't know what it's like to struggle. So they're like the people he's around. They're like, Hey dad, do we have any more duck for dinner? He's like, Doug, oh, this, like, I'm, I'm, raising, I'm raising soft kids because they never had to struggle. And it's like, there's some parts of the, the show that, you know, you can agree with, oh, this is good. And then they make a lot of slavery references. And then some of it is just like, they did that to get it on TV, which I understand the whole TV process. But that's kind of the Oprah thing where it's like in the position that she's in, um, she's, other than maybe her and like Beyonce at like the two highest level, maybe Michelle Obama, if she wants to be but like at the highest level of black woman in this country. And so what the community and we're not a monolith, but whatever we want is for those figures to be in our best interest because they're in our community. Right. Mm-hmm. But if it seems like they're doing the, the opposite to appease the other group, then it feels like, yo, what happened? Like you're supposed to be on our side. Like, why are you, why is, why is Oprah and the media criticizing all these black dudes? But then she's letting all like, why is that the case? Even if you feel that way, that can that can be a private thought. No one's asking you to come out and say anything. You're Oprah. You don't have to, you never do interviews. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. So like, why are you out on that side? And so like, that's why we're like, hey, come on, like, it doesn't need to be like this. But I get it if your agenda is to make more money and to be buddy buddy with high level exec people and whatever then that's the right play because that's probably how they feel as well so you're parroting their stuff at our expense mm-hmm. and so that's that's that part okay okay i think i know what you're talking about uh-huh yeah. okay. so that's so that's <laughs> like we're dancing around it too so i got you yeah i'm i'm, I'm, I'm tapping right now like i, I made me oprah at some point <laughs> be like hey uh that wasn't me on the pod that was the same guy who did my tyson impression I don't know who that guy is. He's trying to be like me, trying to get me in trouble. Yeah, I, I definitely got burned by, well, I didn't understand, like, there's a lot of sensitivity around uh, criticizing black male celebrities. Mm. And I didn't know mm. that. And I remember, I was, I was doing this reaction video once, and it was Lil Dicky and Chris Brown. That's oh, on. yeah, the Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. Yeah. It, it was great. It was really cute. Catch really song, yeah. I dared to give it, like, an A- minus or a B plus instead mm. of an A+. Plus. And I got harassed because and the reason I, I was like look it was really good i gave it an a minus and or b plus this was like two years ago yeah. um i was like i can't give it an a because chris brown is chris brown i'm sorry he beat rihanna i can't give him an a sure. come on little dicky find better people to work with wow. i can't help it. i have my opinions i'm a feminist at the end of the day oh no i'm so I'm, mad they got there are a lot of people who had that same opinion though like you're like i'm i'm there's a, again, that's a whole bigger conversation maybe for a different pod about artists versus their work. Because if you break down the greatest artists of all time, almost all of them either had a drug problem, definitely infidelity problems, uh, stealing music, domestic abuse things. Like I can't name the musician that doesn't, or they're just insufferable like Bono is, right? But like, <laughs> we'll go down a list of like the greatest people and it's like, who's beyond reproach? And so like you get to the point where there's some who are worse than others, right? But then there's the who draws a line. Where's the line between, okay, I'll accept Rick James doing blow off a stripper 
because you know he's the super freak but it's like but you're mad at freddie mercury for like like where do you i don't know where you draw the lines and stuff so I, there are people who are you're one thing music and artist if i don't like the person you are then i don't like your music and there are people who are like i hate you as a person love your, your work and so your opinion is not in the minority and i wasn't even the best listen see breezy's whether you like him or not is a tremendously talented dude that yes. wasn't one of that wasn't one of his top 10 or 15 songs so if you're like it's cool that was a little dicky crossover joint like it was catchy it was fun they were dancing that wasn't like you know high level breezy that wasn't like no guidance with him and drake where it like shut the internet down for a week because it was like the two biggest artists on the same song both doing great work that was they had Kendall Jenner in it. They had, they had DJ Khaled. Ed Sheeran's in that video. They just started throwing people in at the end just to like, come this way. Yeah, like all those movies that were happening in the mid-2000s, what like, uh, He's Just Not That Into You and Ocean's Eleven. Like, all, they just had this trend for a little bit of like, just throw celebrities at stuff and people will watch it. I love Ocean's Eleven, actually. Don't you, don't you dare disrespect it. Did you see Ocean's Eight, though? No. It was enjoyable. Okay. I really enjoyed that movie. Because I heard, I heard very much the opposite. And <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't see it, so I can't say that's my opinion. I, this is my thing, and this might get me trolled and dragged the way you did. I don't like, and this is, I'm pretty consistent across the board. If Cinderella has been white for 200 years, I don't want a black Cinderella. I want a new movie with a black princess. Don't call it Cinderella. Call it something else, right? Like Princess and the Frog. That was good. Yeah, that was a hit. But I don't, so I don't want it's been this and then we make it this. So Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 were what they were. And it's like, let's call this Ocean's 8. It's like, or a different title. <laughs> let's call it Sandra's 8 or whatever it is. Or just call it like the girl troop or something. Like call it something else. It can even be the same movie. Yeah, it, it could have had nothing to do with Ocean's 11. They were but, just, it just has her at the beginning. She's like crying at Danny Ocean's like, tombstone or something and then at the end she's like i did it for you danny it's like, and I'm like that wasn't necessary it's the reason why the movie book smart worked as the girl version of super bad one because jonah hill's sister is the main character and that's a cool little symmetry that you get both of them in say like the same type of movie but it wasn't called super bad girl edition but it's very much the same type of movie or like Shallow Hal, Shallow Hal and that girl, uh, that movie, I Feel Pretty with Amy yeah. Schumer. I watched that. I actually really enjoyed it. It didn't get yeah. good reviews, but. No, because people don't like Amy Schumer, but that's for a number of other reasons. But yeah. like you said, like if it can be the same idea, there's not that many creative ideas in Hollywood anymore. And most of this stuff is repackaged. But when it's what men, what, what women want, oh, cool, let's make what men want. It's like, I don't need this. We already seen it like Ghostbusters with men. Hey, Let's just throw four girl comedians. Like, I don't need a, I don't need this. So like, I'm consistent across the board. I don't need you throwing like, they're, they're about to cast Michael B. Jordan as Scarface. I don't need that. Oh, they're going to do that? Yeah, I don't need it. Sorry. First of all, Al Pacino's not Cuban. First and foremost, he's Italian. That's not important. Michael B. Jordan is not Italian or Cuban. I don't need the movie. It may be great. It may get Scorsese. Who cares? I feel like that's like that's like making a narcos movie and then making Pablo Escobar black. Like, why? I mean, I get you want to represent more. That's people, what it is. They but just want to make a story that features people of color and a history where that character can live in instead of taking an existing story and putting them there. Now that's like outside of like fiction, like Star Wars, I don't care what you do with fiction. <laughs> But like, if you're taking the context of like the cocaine stuff, and they're yeah. supposed to be Latino, make them Latino. And then been, if you want to do something with black gangsters, I don't know, do something about the Crips and the Bloods, bro. I I don't know. They had American Gangster already. It was a great movie. It's, There's plenty it's of Russell Crowe and Denzel. They were good. Yeah. I, just, I don't need this. We're gonna represent people by making the same movie with a different cast. I personally don't need it, and I, I haven't. I haven't seen it done well yet personally. And so when I, now if you show me five or to 10 examples of it being done well, then I'd be like, okay, I don't hate it, but I haven't seen it. And so. I like a movie where they redo, where it, no, it's not a redo. It's an original script and an entirely different story 
and we mentioned Princess and the Frog, and that is the perfect example. Or Coco, where they're like, yeah, this is just another character in Moana. World. Moana. Moana didn't make me cry. Uh, Coco and it Princess and the Frog sure. made me cry. Coco Princess and the Frog me. had me bawling. Coco had me bawling. And when he's talking to his abuela and she's about to, bruh, bruh. Mm-hmm. I was like, that hurt. I did a joke about that. <laughs> I was like, cause I'm watching Coco, like, oh, he wants to sing. It's all cool. And it's like, nah, bruh, this movie's way deeper. And I was like, Moana is good for what it was. Like, it didn't even make you cry. It's a good movie. Like, Coco's a good movie. You don't need to make, you know, black Sleeping Beauty. I go, it's not, it's not necessary. Just write a script. There are people who get paid a lot of money to write better scripts. Yeah. Stop recycling shit. And just make a lot of them. There's so many things in different traditions and cultures. Like, just do some work, and you will find if you dig and take just a little bit of time, uh, an interesting piece of African folklore about around which you can build a whole world and create another Black Disney princess. Easy. I mean, obviously not easy. You just have to do some work, but like, yeah. it's just as easy as rewriting. Sleeping Beauty or Snow White. I don't like it. So, but I Kat, can't no. Okay, I'm gonna let you go. I know you had stuff to do, and Thank this has been, <laughs> it's been it's been fun to catch up. And I'm glad you got let me get off my hate about repurposing movies and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at the Cat Alvarado on Twitter and Instagram. I've been posting some fun, cool sketches on there. You can also follow me on YouTube. Just find my YouTube at Cat Alvarado. C A T a-L-V-A-R-A-D-O. Um, put in stand up next to that. You'll find me. Uh, and, uh, or you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Cat Alvarado comedy. I like the, the air guns are unnecessary, but, <laughs> but thank you for all the links, Cat. Thanks for coming back. I know people were wondering, we didn't even get into your, we got a little bit to the boyfriend stuff. We didn't get into your DMs, which is what the biggest talking point of our last pod was. It, but it seems like you're past that. You don't even need I DMs am. anymore. Like, who cares if 12 dudes are like, yo, cat, what's good? Like, nah, that's just not necessary. Yeah. Nah. I'm never getting, don't DM me. You're not going to get me to date you through a DM. You're just not. That's just not how it works. <laughs> Facts. Cat, yep. thanks for coming through. Guys, thank you for listening. Again, post, share, repost, all that good stuff. Tell your friends, subscribe. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.